thanks for downloading the audio podcast of this week's sermon. We pray you'll be blessed and encouraged with the words you hear. Now if you could turn with me please to the book of Ephesians. We're going to look at our message this morning, which really does centre around our walk with the Lord. So if you can turn with me please to Ephesians chapter 4. We're going to read between chapter 4 and 5 four different sections. So we're going to be kind of breaking um, off and then going on to other verses as we go along. So Ephesians chapter 4 and verse 1 says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord. You see, Paul was a prisoner and that's quite uh, apt for this morning. This was a a prison written letter. It was a circular letter, as you know, if you're coming to the Bible studies. Paul says, I therefore the prisoner of the Lord beseech you or beg you to walk worthy of the calling with which you were called. With all lowliness and gentleness, with long suffering, bearing with one another in love, endeavoring to keep the unity of the spirit in the bond of peace. There is one body. There is one spirit, just as you were called in the hope of your calling, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, who is above all and through all and in you all. Can you skip across to verse 17, please? Go and read a few verses here. Verse 17. This I say, therefore, and testify in the Lord that you should no longer walk as the rest of the Gentiles walk, or perhaps your version might say, don't walk as the world walks. In the futility of their mind, having their understanding darkened, being alienated from the life of God because of the ignorance that is in them, because of the blindness of their heart, who being past feeling have given themselves over to lewdness, to work all on cleanness with greediness. But you have not learnt Christ that way. Uh, flick over please to chapter 5 and verses 1 and 2 says, For you were once darkness sorry uh, i've gone over two pages there Uh, verse one of chapter five therefore be imitators of god as children and walk in love as christ also has loved us and given himself for us an offering and a sacrifice to god for a sweet smelling aroma and verse 15 then says and it's under a subsection walk in wisdom see then that you walk circumspectly or you walk wisely not as fools but as wise redeeming the time because the days are evil therefore do not be unwise but understand what the will of the lord is and do not be drunk with wine which is dissipation but be filled with the spirit speaking to one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord, giving thanks always for all things to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another in the fear of God. You've probably picked up that there's a a common word that uh, came over in those four different passages that we read this morning, and it's the word walk. Another word for our walk, of course, in the Bible is our relationship. It's our relationship with the Lord. So that'll be our focus very much this morning, uh, which will be our our walk with the Lord. Uh, Hopefully, I'll get these images up here. Get the first one up. Yep. So our title this morning is, Are You Living in the Land of Nod? Uh, Put your hand up if you're a good sleeper. 
And that's not even half of you. So I take it that more than half of you are not good sleepers. So would anyone admit to being a good snorer? Maybe you need to ask your partner that. Yes, Yvonne is trying to get Mark's hand up. So there's, yeah, I see a few hands. I see those hands. Yes, so there's quite a few of good snorers. Anyone at all sleepwalk that you know of? Maybe you don't know. <laughs> okay, there's maybe the odd one. Keith Green, Christian songwriter and musician, coined this quote, The world is asleep in the dark while the church is asleep in the light. How true is that? So, so true. The, wor- the world is in the darkness and yet we're in the light. We have received the light and yet often the church is found to be nodding off. So let's pray that our relationship is searched with the Lord, that we're not found to be nodding off, that we're not found to be living in the land of Nod. May we be active, may we be alert, may we be astute, may we be excited and expectant for all that God wants to do, because we really believe that God's doing something special among us at the moment, and we really want everyone to be plugged in. We want everyone to to kind of catch um, the wind of the spirit in their sails, so to speak, that you will, you will just, you will catch, you will be aware and so sensitive of what God is trying to do and wants to do among us. And so this morning I will be uh, asking some rather challenging questions about our walk with God and our relationship with God. And I make no apologies for that whatsoever. Uh, don't think the wee clicker's working here if we can come on to the next. Yeah. Are you living in a second-hand experience? Um, I had a wee chat with Robert Gage earlier, and I was so glad that I did because, um, to me, without kind of studying that, I thought that was a beetle. And, of course, I'm a motorman, so I should know. So Robert told me it was a 1959 or 1960 Morris Minor 1000. Is that right, Robert? Have I got it right? Yeah. Um, so... As you know, I was a car salesman in a former life uh, for my sins for many, many years. And I sold many new cars, but I also sold many used cars. Incidentally, Freddie wanted to sell his car. So his mate told him to wind the clock back and he'd get a better price for it. So we saw him a few days later and he says, Freddie, how did you get on? He says, well, when I finished winding it back, it only had 7,000 miles on the clock. So I decided to keep it. What do I mean by a second-hand experience? Well, it's a wee bit like buying a second-hand car. If you buy a second-hand car, somebody else has owned that at some stage. Somebody else has driven it. They've, they've run it in, although I don't think you kind of run cars in anymore. Uh, somebody has put the miles on it. They've tramped it up from uh, Dollingstown to Balamoney, backward and forward, and put all these miles on it. Uh, some of you, I know that Bill told me one day that when he was in the sales game, he did about 80,000 mile a year. My goodness, Sibylle must never have been at home. Uh, so different people do different miles in cars. But if you own a secondhand car and you bought it secondhand, somebody else has bought, already bought that from the manufacturer. You didn't get it new. You didn't buy it new. You didn't get it from the manufacturer and so the, the point that I'm trying to get across here, maybe not all that well, is that it's easy to try and piggyback 
on the back of somebody else's experience. It's easy to try and receive a blessing that is second-hand, a second-hand blessing. God wants us to have a first-hand blessing. He wants us, uh, in a sense, if we, he's our creator, so he's our manufacturer. Uh, this is the manufacturer's handbook, isn't it? The Bible, that's, we turn to it. Mervyn mentioned it in his prayer. That's our Bible. That's our go-to. That's, our, that's the handbook for Christian living. That's the blueprint for life, isn't it? And we turn to it. And we don't want to be receiving a second-hand blessing. We don't want to be just hanging on the coattails of somebody else who is being blessed by the Lord. We want each and every person, each and every member, adherent, everyone who comes here to receive a blessing, a first-hand blessing from the hand of the Lord. Another question, if we can maybe just click on to it. Please. Are you living in the basement or the penthouse? I don't know if you recognize that building. Uh, it's uh, a building, a, a castle. Uh, it's called the Swanstein, which I think means New Swan Stone. It's in Bavaria, in southern Germany. Uh, if you remember the film, we're talking about cars again, Chitty Chitty Bang Bang. Uh, that will probably relate back to you seeing that castle. Uh, when I was a student at Bible College over in England uh, in the late 1980s, I decided that I would pack myself off during the summer and I would go on an interrail trip around Europe. Did anyone else ever do that, buy an interrail ticket? No, I was the only mad one. Andy, Andy, you and me then were the only two mad ones. So I toured Europe on my own for six weeks. Um, I had a wee rucksack and a tent on my back. I had um, uh, one of those youth hostel passes and I had the time of my life. And I ended up in one of the places was this castle. And of course, I got off the train and rather than putting my rucksack into one of the lockers uh, in the train station, I decided that I would walk whatever distance it is from sea level or ground level up to this castle. I think I lost about a half a stone that day, to be honest. And I could probably do with doing that wee trip again. Um, I was so desperate to see that castle. So desperate to see it that even with the rucksack on my back and all of my, kind of not all of my earthly goods, but whatever it was to keep me going for six weeks during this tour of Europe was in that rucksack. And of course I was wrecked. I was so desperate to get to this castle. Are we living in the basement or are we living in the penthouse? What on earth are you talking about? Um, an uncle of mine bought an old house, a very old house. I think it's maybe about three or four hundred years of age. And I think it had three stories, but below level, and maybe I think there's a number of farmers here, uh, below ground level was the buyer where, where the animals um, would have gone in. And of course, this uh, old house then was renovated. And a, a cousin of mine, so that would have been the daughter of my uncle, lived in what you would call the, the basement then of this house. My father, uh, my late father and my mother who's still living, owned uh, an apartment in Port Stewart. It's a pity they still didn't own it because then that would help greatly. But anyhow, that's life. But they had bought uh, one of these uh, apartments. Again, it was a penthouse. It was the top uh, floor um, and it was overlooking the Crescent. 
You probably know it, probably one of the oldest buildings there now with all these high-rise apartments. But part of what they bought, there was a, a garage. There had been a number of garages that were built at the back of this house. And so each apartment block got a garage. So any time that we went, uh, as a family, of course, we were in the apartment. We were in the penthouse, having a wee look out and seeing everyone uh, eating their ice cream and drinking their coffee and whatever you do in Port Stewart. But um, a relation uh, of mine had a key of the garage. They didn't have the key of the penthouse. And they would have come up at weekends, they had a the little bit of independent living, they would have gone and uh, the garage was converted, it was like a wee uh, bedroom, open, open area kind of, with a wee bathroom and a small kitchen. Are we living in the basement or are we living in the penthouse with our relationship with the Lord? As you know, uh, myself and a number of other pastors and leaders were at uh, what we would call advance, which is really, in, in old terms, a retreat, a spiritual retreat, but Elam called it advance. And there were a number of different speakers, and um, there was one speaker there. He wasn't Elam, and uh, he had a tremendous ministry, and he was saying that um, he had a, a dream. And the dream was that he lived in the basement of a castle. And as a, as a pastor, as a leader, he would bring people up from the basement to the penthouse, into the presence of the king. And then he would leave them there and he would go back down and he would reside in the basement. And then somebody else would come and he would accompany them or help them to come into the presence of the king in the penthouse but he would retreat himself and go back down to the basement and God challenged him and in turn it challenged me when I heard him and hopefully it will challenge you do we live in the penthouse or do we live in the basement as far as our relationship with the king we should really be wanting to live and reside and dwell in the presence of the king. So are we living in the basement or are we living in the apartment? Are you living with the touch of the Father's hand upon your face? Again, at this retreat, um, somebody stood up and they are one of a family of six. And their father had taken Alzheimer's. And I know a little bit about that because my dad sadly had taken Alzheimer's and uh, was in a care home for uh, about five or six years before he passed away. And uh, because uh, this gentleman had been uh, part of a, a bigger family circle, um, their father stayed at home and they were able as a family to do uh, little shifts and little rotas. And um, this man who was... Uh, relaying this story was in his mid 40s and it was his turn to sit with his father one night and he said that his father um, although he was a very um, godly Christian man never really showed his emotions and he can't remember ever in his 44 years even as a young boy his father taking him by the hand as they would be walking Never had that intimacy 
with his father. And he was sitting this night and his dad was in the room. His dad didn't know him. Didn't know him at all. And the next thing, the father's hand moved and he lifted his arm and he put his hand on his son's face. For the first time in 44 years, he had felt the touch of his father's hand. And it broke him. It really and truly broke him. And he went home that night. I think he said he drove home and the tears just tripped him. But it was a significant milestone in his life. Not only because he had felt the physical touch of his earthly father's hand upon his face. But it made him think of the intimacy of our Heavenly Father. And I know that can be a a difficult subject. It can be a difficult area because we all have different experiences of our of our fathers. Some of them may be tender and may have good memories and, and others may not. But what is our relationship like with our heavenly father? With Father God? Are we walking closely with him? Do we do we feel that that touch, that that spiritual closeness and intimacy with our heavenly father. On Tuesday, as we've said, it's our half day of prayer and fasting. It's a, it's a great opportunity for us to, where possible, to um, slow down a little bit, to maybe set some time aside and to Look afresh at our own relationship. How can we pray for the persecuted church? How can we pray that our loved ones who are unsaved or who are no longer walking closely with the Lord, how can we pray effectively for them if our relationship with the Lord isn't just what it should be? And so it's a challenging time as a, as a church. There are many, many needs and uh, we want as a, a leadership to give this space, these 12 hours, so that we can not only pray for others, but that we can pray for ourselves. You see, if our relationship with our Heavenly Father isn't right, then everything else will not be quite right. The vertical needs to be right before the horizontal can be right. Just conscious of time here this morning, folks. Uh, Maybe you could get the other wee image up for us, Dave. Thank you. Are you living in no man's land? Uh, maybe just bring the next image up too. There's a wee description of that. Thanks, Dave. I'm working you hard this morning. No man's land um, has come from the old English spelling. Uh, I can hardly even say. I'm not even going to say it. First used in the 1300s to refer to a deserted place that no one owns. As a noun that refers to the area between the front lines of opposing armies. It was first used in the 1860s and became more popular during World War I. But did you catch the description? Did you catch there what it says? No man's land is a deserted place. No man's land is a bleak place. It's a, it's a lonely place. 
Be careful if you find yourself in no man's land because it's a dangerous place. You see, no man's land is neither side's territory. It is what it says. If you're in no man's land, you're sitting on the fence. You're neither in nor out. You're lukewarm. And that's a horrible position to be in and a horrible condition to be in. And what's doubly worse about uh, sitting on the fence is that in no man's land you've got fences full of barbed wire. Sitting on the fence is uncomfortable and it's bad for your health spiritually speaking. No man's land is a barren place in your walk with God. And I know that ever so well. I know that personally because for years I lived in no man's land, spiritually speaking. I lived in a wilderness for many years when I was in uh, business, spiritually speaking, going to church, going through the motions, but I was in no man's land. I wasn't experiencing the touch of the Father's hand upon my face because I wasn't walking closely with him. No man or no woman should ever live in no man's land. It's far, far away from the Father's heart. It's our desire that you get plugged into the life of the church and that you, you catch what God is doing among us. On Sunday nights, we've been bringing different people, as you know, to share testimonies and to sing. Tonight, we've got the Band of Brothers, and these are guys, they're all ex-bandsmen, um, and they go around now sharing the love of Jesus. They go to band parades, and they will witness and give out tracts and what have you. So if you're able to come, please come tonight. Please come on Tuesday and support us again with our day of prayer and fasting. Um, wanting to whiz on here next we uh, image thank you next question and this is the second last one I appreciate time is running on a little bit are you not fed up with the froth froth is worthless or insubstantial talk ideas or activities the way to spoil a good coffee and I should know this shouldn't I I do kind of go to the odd wee coffee shop it's all Esther's fault um, if you overload a coffee with froth, you spoil it. These coffee snobs, and there's plenty of coffee snobs about I think most young people are coffee snobs. I don't know if you would. No, the young ones are not saying too much this morning. But you do spoil a good coffee if you have too much froth in it. What is froth? It's superficial. Um, it's like fake coffee. You're not really getting the coffee, you're just getting the froth and the bubbles. Spiritually speaking, let's be connoisseurs. Let's not settle for anything in our relationship, anything in our walk with God that is not the real deal. May our relationship be our relationship and not a second-hand experience that we talked a minute ago. And this is the last uh, question uh, that I want to put up this morning and we'll finish shortly. So the last question is, how much do you desire to run after God? Um, I actually think that looks a wee bit like Joanne Stinson. Um, she's out there pounding the streets. The snow didn't deter. She's overtaken Mark Miller driving the bus. I remember one time last year 
I was, you know that we were in East Belfast for four years, and I was heading into the city, and uh, there was a lot of traffic. I didn't often go early in the morning, but this particular morning was quite early, and there was a lot of traffic, and um, I passed this bus stop. There was a bus in front of me. It wasn't Mark, I'm sure, and this elderly woman had come late for the bus, and the bus had taken off. And so this woman, she wasn't able to run, she's not like Joanne, she wasn't able to run, but she did make quite an effort to catch the bus. And of course, um, I'm in the queue of traffic, and the bus is several car lengths in front of me, so this woman is kind of between me and the bus. And the traffic is slowish, but every so often where she got quite close to the bus, then it would take off again. Oh, and I, I was feeling for this woman. I, oh, come on, come on, you can do it. I, I would actually find myself saying, you can do it. So here's me in the car. There's this bus ahead. Uh, there's this woman. I don't know what age she is. Uh, I'll not even go down that road. But she didn't give up. She kept on going. And then I thought, oh, great, you're going to get the bus. And then Mark drove off. I said, come on, you can do it. You can. And the next thing, what happened? She got the bus. And the bus driver opened the door and she got on. I yeah, I was willing her on. I didn't know her from a crow. But listen, how much do we desire to run after God? How much do we desire not to miss the bus? How much do we desire for our relationship with the Lord to be right? And you see, when I was saying, just on my own, in the car, and she couldn't hear me, you can do it. I want to say to you, Every one of you this morning, if there's anyone listening on Zoom or later on, if you'll pick up the podcast on our website at any stage whatsoever, I'm saying to you, you can do it. You can. Because I know there are people here this morning and you think you can't do it. You think that you can't feel the touch of the Father's hand upon your face. You feel that you can't live in the penthouse. That you have to live in the basement. That you feel that that the experience of others is the closest that you can get to it, that, that you can only get a second-hand experience. I'm saying, no, you can experience that for yourself. You can do it. Your walk with God can be close, can be effective, can be fruitful. I know you can do it. Don't miss out on what God is doing among us at the moment. Get plugged in, get connected, and get real with God. I have other things to say, but I'm not going to say them um, because I think I've said enough. I really want to encourage you, as much as I had to encourage and challenge my own heart as I prepared this message during the week about my walk with God, may we as individuals, may we as a church walk closely with the Lord each and every day. Let's pray.
Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Jesus. Lord, I know that this message and some of these questions this morning um, are quite challenging. But Lord, I pray that we would be challenged in our walk with you. Lord, I pray that each and every one of us here this morning or those who may be listening, Lord, that we would have such a close walk with you, such an intimate relationship with you. Lord, that we would just feel so special. Lord, that we would desire to live in the penthouse, in the presence of the King. That we would daily walk with you, that we would share our faith, that we would, um, that people when they look at us and they talk to us would know that we have been with Jesus. Lord, I pray that you would help each and every one of us, Lord, to have that personal revival within our own hearts. Lord, thank you for what you're doing. Thank you for everyone, Lord, not only those who serve within our fellowship, but Lord, thank you for everybody who comes through the doors of Balamanelam. Lord, we pray that each and every day and each and every time that we open the doors for whatever type of service and whatever type of ministry, Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that there would be a rich blessing, that there would be a sense of your Holy Spirit upon us and that we would glorify you. Lord, we pray that the unsaved would get saved. We pray the backsliders would be restored. We pray that those who need healing in their bodies and minds would be healed. And we pray for situations to be restored. Lord, we pray in Jesus' name that you would be glorified. For we ask it all in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for listening to this week's podcast. If you would like any more information, have a look at our website at www.ballymoneyelam.com